<laughs> I just read your tweet about Red Lobster <laughs> losing eleven million dollars on endless shrimp. Oh, dude, the the Red Lobster Corporation. It's, <laughs> dude. How much shrimp did people eat for them to lose? That's just in one quarter. They lost eleven million dollars in just one quarter. So wait, hold up. So hold up. They got all this shrimp. But apparently, like, people just aren't eating shrimp. <laughs> like, what's going on, yo? They, they, they offered... inflation got the shrimp, too? <laughs> no, they offered an all-you-can-eat shrimp deal at Red Lobster. And so many people took advantage of it. It, <laughs> it ate into their profits, and they lost $11 million in three months. So people literally ate into their profits. Yes. <laughs> Imagine if Pimp C were still alive. The echoes of... We eat so many shrimp, I got iodine poisoning. Eleven million dollars worth of iodine poisoning. Dude, Americans are so insane. I want you to think about how much shrimp that is. I mean, like, I think you could, if you could compare, like, you know, how many how many shrimp there are in the ocean, you know. I mean, I'm not comparing it to a sizable amount, but that might be like damn near 0.1% or something like well, that. Well, I think that the story was interesting because it was basically like the corporation that owns Red Lobster is based in, I think, Thailand or something. Yeah. And it's like they clearly don't know the American appetite. They, <laughs> it's, uh, they underestimated the Thai Union Group which owns a large stake in the chain, said in a third quarter earnings call this month that the deal was in part to blame for an $11 million operating loss. <laughs> Jesus, man. It's like, dude, you can't, you can never underestimate, you can't, like, that That should be a an economics 101, like, textbooks. Like, if you're in America, you can never offer an all-you-can-eat deal like nationwide no people will people will eat themselves sick yeah, <laughs> like, listen, people will be carried out on stretchers <laughs> you know those animals that like have just no impulse control like that you know what i mean like i am that way i say that i'm not to belittle anybody i'm that way the amount of mindless eating i do when i'm like bored depressed or any number of negative emotions what just before you know it, you're like, God damn, I just consumed four days worth of calories in one fell swoop. You know what? This is absolutely true. This is a coping mechanism for Americans, right? It's either shopping. I mean, it's consumption, right? It's either yeah. shopping or eating. And it's almost like, you know, when uh, like some animals, right? Like dogs, right? Dogs will eat Until and they'll they... eat very quickly and very rapidly as if they'll never have another meal. You know, yeah. I would say uh, the American consumer has that built into their psyche when it comes to consumption. You know? Well, it's just... It's just like a I imagine a whale, you know, opening its like baleen fucking whatever filters to like take in krill. Like that's basically the same principle here. It's, it's shrimp, but it's you know same thing. What's what's the most gluttonous thing y'all have ever done? Oh man. For Terrence it's gonna be uh foraging for spelt <laughs> <laughs> Man, uh, what I'm is a, the most you just sat down and just consumed in a sitting that you recall? Man, I'm just many, many a night of me being very high and thinking that like Krispy Kreme donuts would be really good, like mm. a whole dozen, or maybe like a big ass bag of hot fries, and then immediately puking after that, yo, know, just sitting oh. there, just stuffing my face. Yo. Well, the thing about the thing that's really tough about that is that 
if you're going to eat something that's going to make you throw up, you don't want it to be shrimp because the taste of it coming up is so much worse than the taste of it going down. Just rancid and raw. Yeah. Truly fishy. <laughs> truly a marine. <laughs> like like salty, <laughs> like seafaring, but not in a nice way. <laughs> Cockroach of the sea. Literally. Exactly. <laughs> your fucking vomit. Those little shit strips in, but they're so good with the tangy sauce, you know. Yeah, just your vomit just having eyes in it and like yeah. antennas. <laughs> like little eyes that are antennas floating around. <laughs> also, also, too, uh, I've, I've made, made this joke before, and, um, you know, I'm not an expert on, uh, you know, uh, apocalyptic ecology. But I have to say hey, that's that. funny. I <laughs> consider you exactly that. <laughs> I, I look into it often, yo. So it's like when I think about like, like red lobster and the fact that their their whole thing is seafood, mm. you know. And as the oceans warm, as phytoplankton die off, as marine food chains break down, are we going to see red lobster like you know fall for bankruptcy because there's just no more fucking that's, you know, to be shut well? Up. That's what I was wondering. Like I will, I want to know the ecological impact. <laughs> of Americans eating eleven million dollars worth of shrimp, like what? How uh, big? negative eleven million dollars? <laughs> yeah, you're right. Negative. They're, they're operating in a deficit. <laughs> you're right. It's a negative amount. I need to know the ecological impact. Like, what kind of chunk that took out of the biosphere? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, what yeah. kind of like? What's our carbon footprint just on the? Uh, People that cashed in on that deal, you know? like It's like a butterfly effect, but it's like a crustacean effect, you know? It, like, collapses a marine food chain in, like, Thailand or some shit like that. Unbeknownst, you know? Well, it's, Listen, it's, man. You know, they they just closed the last um, Lone John Silver's location, Lexington, Kentucky, which is funny because uh, Lexington, Kentucky was home of the first Lone John Silver's. Oh, Not exactly a wow. hotbed of seafood in a landlocked state. Yeah, like, what, what was he thinking there? Not even a land... Kentucky or uh, Lexington isn't even on water. There's not even a river. <laughs> well, maybe that's why they had it. They were like, you know what? They're far away enough from the ocean into dry land that maybe people have a hankering for seafood. Yeah, well, you got like Town Branch, you know, and, <laughs> and Hickman Creek, I guess. But other than that, that's about it. But that was the first location. And, uh, you know, now it's gone. It's well, moment, man. It comes the same week that um, all the world's nations are meeting for a climate summit, the COP28. Oh, another one of these? Um, another one of these situations where... Yet another we're told, summit. Where we're told that this has been the hottest year on record yeah. uh, since blah, 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 and then no one does anything. Well, I've read a New York Times article and about, about it, and it was just basically... Like, all these scientists and even bureaucrats were like, what is even the point in going to these anymore? Like, one is quoted as saying, like, we could have done something after COP1, COP2, COP15, but it's now COP28. They're not copping. It's like when the franchise just won't die. Yeah. <laughs> it's like keeping up with the numbers of the iPhones, man. Yeah. All they're copping is carbon credits. That's it, man. There's no... Nothing. That is such an exercise in, like, not even just futility, but, like, this level of just like a delusion, you know, that you can continue to have like these sorts of diplomatic events where everybody's going to sit down and talk about it and then not hold, you know, the fossil fuel industry or governments to account. It's just very bold in like your sense of delusion. You know what I mean? Well, people are flying and going to this thing and attending it. You well, know? what's what's controversial about it is that it's hosted by the United Arab Emirates and oh, they have been 
accused of using this conference as a way to basically strike new oil and gas deals. <laughs> oh my fucking god. Oh my god. <laughs> Yo, I'm gonna see you at the cop twenty seven this year. We're gonna fucking hash out. <laughs> Let's like, build and link at COP27. <laughs> we're going to hasten the, the uh, destruction of the, the environment. Yeah. yeah. I mean... Oh, man. I, but it's not a true COP summit if there's not any talk of uh, the 11 million plus hole in the ocean, in the ocean. <laughs> ecosystem. <laughs> you could have a delegate from Red Lobster that has to uh, has to speak, apologize, and speak for themselves. <laughs> Let's just do a little math <laughs> here. To the Hague. <laughs> Let's just do a little math here, okay? Uh-huh. All you could eat shrimp. What's the going price for this for this deal? So the price was twenty dollars, and to recoup their losses, they raised it to twenty five. But it didn't make a difference. People of course just not. <laughs> okay. So let's just say let's just say let's say twenty five. Let's say twenty five for a good like kind of number to work with. Okay. okay. And the minimum amount of shrimp you would eat at a all you can eat shrimp. Like let's call it what it is. Nobody's pussyfooting all you can eat it and eating like three to five shrimp. That's let's say ten. I was gonna say a dozen. A do- well, let's yeah. be let's 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 be conservative and say eight. Oh, Everybody's okay, gonna right. eat eight shrimp. Nobody right, nobody right. that's going to all you can eat shrimps going single digits though. I'll no, go ahead and tell you. No, that you're right. right. So that, that that puts the shrimp at about three dollars a shrimp, right? Three dollars a shrimp, okay? Now let's <laughs> eleven million divided by three. <laughs> Okay, all right. We can kind of get a rough estimate of how many <laughs> crustaceans. I also want to know, like, how much shrimp can one individual eat before they get sick? You know what I mean? Like, like how much crustacean can you stuff into your body before you feel like you want to vomit? Yeah. Like, I don't understand. This, this, I've got a, a rough estimate of three... Three million six hundred sixty-six thousand six hundred sixty-six shrimp. That like, if that's the, if that's the conser- most conservative estimate, which we know it's not, that's probably to be perfectly honest, probably five times that amount at least. At least <laughs> we're probably talking around twenty million shrimp have been eaten. No, nah, we have to just, put it in terms of weight. To me, what is it? It's like this weight of an entire state building is <laughs> like that in shrimp, like. Okay, all right. Let's let's do this. How much does a shrimp weigh? Okay. (laughs) How much does a shrimp weigh? Like probably like a gram or something. Uh, medium shrimp run run anywhere from uh six forty one to sixty shrimp per one pound bag. This is about okay. So they're they're about point two five ounces per shrimp. Okay, we're Uh, talking about. Tens of millions of shrimp. You could just round up to say, like, I don't even know how many ounces are in a pound. Is it 16? 16 Boy, ounces in a pound, yeah. But we said 15 million shrimp. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a conservative estimate. <laughs> okay, all right. Oh, my God. <laughs> Americans consume 15 million. No, 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 that, no, no. That's, that's not counting all. That's just one chain. That, that's one chain. It's it's important to keep in mind, like, I'm gonna, oh, I'm just going to pinpoint it at 20 million because that seems about right. Let's say 20 million. Because also, we're just assuming 11 million. It's $11 million loss. So Tom is right. Like, there is more shrimp being eaten here. So, like, let's just, like, back... You know, back of the napkin. We're just talking. We're just talking about what they ate in the negative. <laughs> oh my God. Like not what they had accounted for. 
like let's just assume it's probably somewhere around like 30 million shrimp just by red lobster just in one quarter just in three months (laughs) that's insane (laughs) eating as many shrimp as the weight of new york city man okay all right so divided by 0.3 um that's that's 100 million ounces so how do you get how do you get to uh, pounds from there? Do you... 100 million po- uh, ounces divided by 16 ounces makes a pound. Yeah. So divided by 16. <laughs> I don't know if that's right. If that's right though, it's like six and a half million pounds. <laughs> we eat so many shrimp. Uh, just like oh, you know trump's whole thing about like how the toilets don't flush good enough it's like dude it's because people were eating six million pounds of shrimp eating your body weight in shrimp <laughs> yeah not eat to know uh, so we did we did weight we did uh do you know how many 9-11s this trip is in economic yeah. <laughs> let's just keep going down the line and we'll just see it <laughs> yeah how many 9-11? What was the average weight of, uh, of the 9-11 hijack? Oh, my God, dude. Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. Well, how many people died? <laughs> 3,000, 3, yeah. Oh, oh boy. Oh, oh dude. <laughs> yeah, that's like the, the shrimp in the sea. You're talking about how the, the Red Lobster deal was their 9-11. <laughs> <laughs> they try to make a kids movie out of it like finding Nemo. everybody remembers life before before the all you can eat at red lobster and after you know <laughs> it's like they designated it as like their time errors you get like, the event well that's the, the fall <laughs> they call do, it the fall do orcas eat shrimp remember when they were popping off like three months ago was this why yeah. they're like yeah. our entire way of life <laughs> It has been upended. Listen, we're 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 a, we're a simple mammal. We uh, you know we fish our waters. We <laughs> make noises back and forth to each other. We like to have a little shrimp with dinner, and they've taken it from us. Oh man, now we have to fight man. We have to wage war against mankind. Oh dude, that is crazy. I have to do believe though. Seriously, like uh, one last thing I'll say. I have to believe though that. Like I, I mean, I guess there are laws for overfishing. You know, I don't know uh, like how many. I don't know if they've like exceeded. I mean, probably who knows. But like, I have to believe that would have some like ecological impact. No, no, like some butterfly flex shit. You know what I mean? Oh, dude, it's just yeah, like working overtime on like a fishing schooner or something off the coast of fucking Delaware Bay or something. Just like working fucking fifteen hours a day, just because the average American is eating like <laughs> is eating twenty thousand pounds of shrimp a week. Yeah, it's like we have to. I'm getting all kinds of overtime these days, boys. I don't know. I don't boat. Oh, it's all. It's all you can. It just goes to show you, man, the nature of capitalism. Somebody has to lose. In this case, the crustaceans, in order for other people to have to gain. Mm-hmm. In this case, the fishermen, and then in turn. Red Lobster <laughs> loses <laughs> because they overshot it. Because of greed, man. Uh-huh. Not even greed for money, greed for food. That's crazy. Um, one, one of the uh, seven deadly sins, brother. Well, that that's something I've thought about a lot. Like, um, 
you know, in archaeology, one of our like main archaeological methods of understanding the past is feces samples. Like we go find shit. And we say like, oh, this person ate like bones and bananas, berries and, and shit like that, apple seeds. Th- th- this dumbass ate twenty three <laughs> apple seeds and died from cyanide. Look at this fucking dumbass, just roasting prehistoric died from mercury poisoning. Yeah, just bro- roasting bog bodies. Like, uh... <laughs> but that's what people in the future will do to us. They'll be like. Holy shit, we have six million pounds of human shit from the from the months <laughs> September to December twenty twenty three and it's only shrimp. It's like a fossil record. It's only shrimp. Yeah, it's like they'll a be layer. Able to re- they'll it's be able a, to reconstitute a extinct shrimp species. Yeah, it's a layer feces. in like the fecal fecal uh scale, you know what I mean? The, the strata. <laughs> the fecal sediment. Yeah, the sediment. Like rock. a fucking primordial lasagna, you know what I mean? Just <laughs> different layers of just oh, grotesque. Man. That's the thing, though, like uh, centralized water treatment and sewage treatment, though, doesn't that, this is a tangent, but doesn't that make it hard to st- for future anthropologists to study our shit? Okay, oh, this is another question I was wondering. Where does our shit actually go? Like, I know... Uh, Glad you asked, Terrence. (laughs) Brother. (laughs) It goes to a wastewater treatment facility where it's ran through a machine that sort of... um, Well, let's just say this. You don't want to fall into this machine yourself. What Are the turds... What happens to the turds? Do they do they put them somewhere? Do they vaporize them? When it goes through the the machine, I forget what it's called, but basically (laughs) it... The shit terror turns you into <laughs> nothing, and then like the waste that comes out. At least this is the Whitesburg wastewater treatment plant where I ran and <laughs> where I worked. And it's also like, man, being in there was so weird because like you just literally felt shitty. Like you just like you just always didn't want to eat in there because there's like a faint smell of shit constantly. <laughs> and it's clinging in the air. It's and like everything you touch, you knew was just like just fecal particles and everything. So oh, like you God. constantly had to put hands in it. One of the shittiest jobs I ever had. <laughs> Did uh, And then after it comes out of that, it all goes down like a little drain. Yeah. Where it runs under a UV light to kind of take all the bacteria and stuff kill all the bacteria and stuff where it then goes yeah you guessed it folks right back into the river okay well that's that's what i was thinking yeah that's what i suspected right i suspected that but like what i'm worried about is that future historians and anthropologists will not have a way to know what we were eating like this their only metric they'll have is the 11 million dollar hole in the red (laughs) lobster ledger like they have economic records (laughs) That is funny to think about. You know how, like, uh, sometimes you'll see, like, a funny tweet from one of those, like, uh, I don't know, uh, Bank Ledgers of History accounts, and it's like, this man paid $6 for four turnips, three water, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And for us, it's just going to be just a laundry list of drugs and shrimp. Mm -hmm. And subscription services. Dude, I hate fucking pedants. (laughs) Someone's in my mention says, that... $11 $11 million? That sounds like not really a lot. It doesn't seem like sarcasm either. Fuck you. Bro, That's a lot of shrimp. <laughs> $11 million could like, I don't know, dog. You could put that towards like student loan debt. You could like put that towards like a healthcare. I know it's not a lot of money for that, but for a shrimp, that's a lot of fucking money, dog. <laughs> well, what are you talking about? 
uh-huh. to me it's it's like yeah okay it's not yeah. a lot of money if you're talking about like that's the amount of food stamp fraud we have in the united states <laughs> but when you're talking about raw shrimps eaten by at one uh you know food chain uh-huh that's kind of a lot it is <laughs> oh man that tickled me that really got me and I, I'm, uh. I'm i'm sick i've been sick for two days and um it's good to laugh, you know? Because, uh, uh, yeah. really like, is. as Cash Sunstein pointed out on the liberal manifesto from the Patreon episode this weekend, we're anti-anti-laughter. We, we are. Liberals like to laugh. They do. And that's they I'm got thinking. real funny bones. Yeah, they do. Well, also not being funny. Somebody pointed out that he's married to Samantha Powers. I saw yeah. that. I can't believe yeah. we missed that. Yeah, what a whiff. Their buddy Kissinger died last night or yesterday. I know, I know that you know, man. I uh, I wasn't feeling too well yesterday. Um, still not feeling so well today. So I was in bed all day yesterday, and had my phone off and everything. And uh, I, I for some reason, man, uh, not not in the sense where people are say, oh, he died surrounded by family and comfortable, and there's no. There's no schnodenfreude, I guess, right, uh, to be drawn out of this. Uh-huh. It's not that. But um, I don't know, man. For some reason, it just didn't hit me the way I thought it would, you know. Maybe well, because I haven't checked out the tweets yet. But um, it just didn't hit me the way I, I'm kind of upset about that. It's you know? probably because he's 100 years old. <laughs> yeah. I had to guess. When a 100-year-old person dies, it's just like... I mean, what are you supposed to say to that? It's like the sun rising, you know what I mean? Or like fucking, you know, fall study. Honestly, I did, I did the math. This man was 30 years old in 1950. I Dude, he, he, when he was my age, Eisenhower was president. <laughs> That's insane. That's a... When was he born? When was he born? 1923. When he was born, I mean, like, there were still places. I mean, there are still places now that don't have, like, electricity and running water. But I'm just saying, like, when he was born, like, this was... I mean, just like just the topography, you know, of the cities. This country looked just looked entirely fucking different. We the had world. a lot more shrimp. Jer- Jeremy, <laughs> uh, Jer- Jeremy, Germany would have been the Weimar Republic. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. God, man. Yeah, man. There were like guys who fought in the Civil War who were alive. Yes, exactly. Who were probably only like eighty years old when he was born. Exactly. There were still people who were slaves that were still alive by then, yo. (laughs) (laughs) He was bored when the last few slaves were still alive, yo. Well, that's the thing. It's like, I I don't want to be a party pooper, right? I'm not going to get online and try to, like, ruin people's good time. But, like, to me, there really is nothing more depressing than celebrating a hundred-year-old person dying. It's like, dude, that's that's fucking crazy. It's like, what, what... what is like, there like, to... to 100. Actually, I don't want to live to 100, actually. I do not. But, like, I mean, yeah, that's like, I don't know, man. Like, yeah, another, another old person died. I mean, a piece of shit, an evil piece of shit, don't get me wrong. But uh, I don't know. There was just no joy to be, be taken out of this. Yeah. And if anything, it was more angering that people well, like this get to live that long and not see justice, you know? Right, yeah. It's like the, the headline on the Rolling Stone said, Henry Kissinger, war criminal, dies uh, dead at 100. And it's like... There's just no justice in that. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Like he's, and, you know, was sitting on like a literal, like, you know, a uh, mountain of bones. Like a charnel skull. Yeah. You know, and now he just gets to just pass away into the air. And I mean, I guess if you believe in hell, because I mean, he was a literal demon, you know, so if you believe in hell, I guess like 
he's going back to from whence he came, but uh, uh-huh. or there's some eternal punishment there. But I don't believe in hell. This is hell. The fact that he was able to live this long, you know, uh-huh. is, is pretty hell. He visited hell on many people. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, he did. I, yeah. It is. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's just there's no fucking justice in somebody that did what he did, living to a hundred. I have to say though, I saw I did see a, one tweet though uh, right before we got on. Because um, again, I haven't really been online, but uh, I think you might have retweeted Tom. It said it's like Gore Vidal, I guess, observing uh, Henry Kissinger. I think looking at hell in the Sistine Chapel, and yeah. um, I think he said, oh, "Look, he's apartment hunting." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We don't have any wits like that anymore. You, you know? don't. We, everyone has to. Everyone, and this is the thing I guess that's also angering is that, and I haven't even seen the libs and. The conservatives. I mean, it's the same thing when any any evil piece of shit dies, and both sides, like the, both of these lunatics, um, feel the need to um, honor this person. You know what I mean? But like, I mean, you had people like Gore Vidal who would just straight up be like, "No, this guy was a fucking demon." You know? We right. need public intellectuals who uh, have the to have the temerity, the cojones to say shit like that again. You know? Yeah, yeah I read an article in the New York Times today from David Sanger who interviewed Henry Kissinger six years ago for Henry Kissinger's obituary. So you're interviewing a 94-year-old man at that point. What does he have to say? For his own obituary. (laughs) Oh, God. But basically, it was just like Henry Kissinger was full of nuance. He was fascinating. He had wit. He had had rapier's wit. (laughs) When people attach nuance to your name, you can rest assured that you're a piece of shit. Absolutely. <laughs> it's like when there's a movement to free something. You know how, like, if, if it's free something, you, you know those people are in trouble. You know what I mean? <laughs> if yeah. somebody says that you're complicated or nuanced, you mm-hmm. can bet your ass you were a piece of shit. <laughs> you absolutely yeah. were a serial killer. Or you were a monster. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. War criminal. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> right here's wit. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? I never understood that. Or uh, like, what is it? What, is, is it like a a rapier is like a sword, right? Yeah, sword. He'd be like a killing wit. Well, you know like the way like he killed people. people. Sharp, a sharp, sharp wit. They're obsessed yeah. with that shit. Like weirdly enough, I think Henry Kissinger probably would not be on the radar on the left's radar as much without Christopher Hitchens. Yeah. Um. Like, I think that he, him and Chomsky are kind of responsible for making Henry Kissinger the uh, bet noir, basically. Yeah, like the, the, the demonography, like the the demon, the demon, demonic hagiography. Hagi- right. Well, and Anthony Kissinger. Bourdain, too, I mean. Yeah. To yeah. Some degree. Mm. Yeah, and, um, but it's interesting with Hitchens because, uh, like, Hitchens was um, presumably at one point in time, you know, an anti-imperialist who then came to embrace America's genocidal militaristic pretensions around the globe. Um, and I have often wondered. I have often found myself wondering what he would be th- like, what he would be saying right now. Mm. But like that, like I don't know. I just went to Hitchens' Wikipedia page a few weeks ago, and just out of just randomness, I was just like, "This is interesting," because I've always wondered like how history will view Hitchens. And like there, he's got this motherfucker's got an entire like rhetorical move, like move named after him. It's really? it's called a uh, what Hitchens Razor or some dumb shit. Oh, that's some nerd shit, dog. It's yeah. kind of like me on the basketball court. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yelled Sexton Crab Dribble. <laughs> it's it's not a ca- it's not a carry in Slovenia. <laughs> Hitchens Razor, uh, an epistemological razor that serves as a general rule for rejecting certain knowledge claims. It states what can be asserted without evidence can also be dismissed without evidence. Boom, motherfuckers! You can't, you, you can't make some shit like that sound cool, man. Epistemological razor. That's not cool, man. It just this is like these. What, guys, so let's give us an example of the move. Yeah. Okay. How is he juking juking people rhetorically? Oh, dude, this is just fucking. He just this is just an old version of the Latin proverb: "What is freely asserted can be freely deserted." Uh, also rendered as what is asserted without proof may be denied without proof. So no what? investigation, no right to speak? Like, what, what the fuck? That? Yeah, they can't <laughs> name this shit. It's because he died and people felt bad. They were like, oh, Christopher Hitchens died. Let's name a little dumb thing about him. Let's not name a, highway, a little razor. Not a, building, not a, bri- not not a bridge. Not a school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not a school. No. Let's give him not a little a, epistemological razor. Here you go. Itchy boy. Damn. Name the fucking rocket uh, asteroid after that motherfucker. Or a comet. Do you think but it's no. better when you're gone to have something immaterial or something material named after you? Like, do you want like uh, a rhetorical move named after you, or do you want like a bridge named after you, <laughs> or like an art style or something like that? Uh, like as yeah. immaterial. Uh, well, do you want do you want your literature to be referred to as like Thorpian, uh, <laughs> or would you ra- or or would you rather somebody erect or name a uh, a dorm after you, <laughs> like a space station, <laughs> yeah. a fucking yeah. space station? Yeah, hell yeah. I, I would uh, take it. It depends on what. It depends on you see the thing about it is that <laughs> you don't have any control over. The naming convention using your namesake, you don't have any control over how that movement or ideology or art style shapes out. Because if motherfuckers are calling shit Thorpian and they turn out to be assholes and pieces of shit, um, I want to run away from that as far as possible. But <laughs> if, they're, if they're cool, then yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the funnier examples of this is when they uh, named the uh, pedestrian bridge in Whitesburg the James W. Bates Memorial Pedestrian Bridge about uh. 15 years before he died. <laughs> <laughs> so they were just getting out in front of it so they didn't have to, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> go rename it after he died. Yeah. Oh, man. It's like uh, uh, Kissinger being interviewed for his own obituary. Right. Uh, China, China pays tribute to Kissinger. Old friend of the Chinese people. Is what, what she dude? You, I mean, come, come on, man. I mean, there is that video of Mao meeting Kissinger and his wife. Yeah. Um, you know. What did Mal have to say about old Heinz Kissinger? He just said his wife was too. T- his wife was really tall. Like <laughs> his wife was really. That tall. That was his takeaway. Yeah. <laughs> you know, your wife is pretty tall, right? Yeah, your wife is tall. <laughs> He's just throwing all this out. Hey, Mal's just like eh, it's a uh-huh. <laughs> tall woman. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for dropping by. <laughs> um. Oh, man. Well, has anyone didn't? I mean, has anyone besides the Rolling Stones, anyone of any significant import um, or status who has a platform? Has anyone denounced this demon for who he actually was? Um, you know, the New York Times actually had a op-ed at the. T- I was very surprised to see this, but it's that's the thing about him dying at a hundred. It's so low stakes. Like that's yeah. the, the, like it's so low stakes. It's like. Even the New York Times can lead their opinion page with an op-ed 
by Ben Rhodes. I didn't see who wrote it. That's hilarious. Ben Rhodes said Henry Kissinger, the hypocrite. Um, Ben Rhodes used to work for Obama, right? Didn't he? Used yeah, to be... it's the Army dude, right? Yeah, one of the, one of the National uh, Security Advisor, Defense dudes. Yeah. Oh my God. Damn. Talk about what you don't want to be remembered as a hypocrite. Hypocrite. Imagine oh no. carpet bombing like most of Southeast Asia, and then like the worst thing somebody says about you is you're <laughs> talking about your hypocrisy. It's like that Norm Macdonald bit about Bill Cosby. They said, uh, said that uh, the worst thing about Bill Cosby was the hypocrisy. And I, was like, well, I, I thought it was the rapes. <laughs> it's like call him like a uh, Henry Kissinger was a naughty boy. He's a he's a, he's a naughty boy with uh, lots of. Lots of issues. Uh-huh. <laughs> Man, those foreign policy freaks, like, how do you get in on that racket? Dude, you I just should go to the Harvard Kennedy School with bloodlust, and then you Sonic just, like, now you get to, like, tell people who lives and dies in the world? It seems like, yeah, there's there's labs. You go to, you, there, you go, when you go to the Harvard Kennedy School for bloodlust, you go to your lecture, and then you go to lab. And in your lab, they hand you various blood samples from various peoples around the world, and you de- you drink it up. You develop a an appetite and a hunger for those bloods. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, it's like you know how you dissect frogs and said they dissect live human beings. Is what they do because they yeah, have to personally yeah, yeah. learn the bloodlust for themselves, so then they can confer that onto other people. Right. Right. It's like the most. But th- if you think about, it, it's like the most bullshit job in the world. You mm. know what I mean? Like. It's right up there with like uh, you know my job and like uh, our job and like everything I'm connected to. Bullshit, yeah. needless jobs. Yeah. Well, yeah, it is it like being a foreign policy ghoul is the most like horseshit job, made up shit in the world. It truly is. Yeah, I, I went is. to college with someone who in college was ostensibly a lefty. Like, she would go with us to the Palestine marches and stuff like that. But then, as we got closer to graduating, she started talking about interning at the State Department and going to work oh, there. Oh, no. And uh, I believe... The beginning to this, of the end. I, uh, eventually, she moved to D.C., and I believe Hell? to this day, she's... <laughs> yeah, still working. Let me just say that, like, I... Just like this is my only real experience with someone who's entered that world, mm. and I can I can honestly say that the work you do in that job is a moral evacuation. It's got nothing to do like yes, you go and you have to like learn about like all the various different sides of like the Balkan crisis, mm. but like, and I guess you could call that work, but the actual work is learning how to void out your morality. How chipping away at your soul, you yourself doing so. It's like it's like yeah. that's when you put the blinders. You know we were talking about um how is it that um you know these uh these these dogs that are fucking like um engineering this genocide in Palestine and we were talking about how is it that these people sleep at night doing this. And it's like, you know, there are these blinders and maybe their souls are tinted, you know? Yeah. So they themselves can't self-reflect. Like, they create, have to, you have to create sort of mental blocks, like literal blocks that you can't think about the work that you do. Or, I guess you believe in it that it genuinely does do some good in the world, you know? Yeah. You I think drink the Kool-Aid and force it down, or you, you know... I think it's... Uh, I wonder how, like, a guy like Kissinger squares that, though. 
Well, you know what I mean? the thing mm. is, it's like we have this. We have Kissinger dying literally a week after a former State Department employee was caught on film just saying the most racist David Duke level shit right. against right. like a wall right. vendor. Like it's no secret that like the people that work in those fields. I guarantee you probably Steven Sedlowitz or whatever his name was, the guy that was harassing the halal vendor, when he got into the State Department, he was probably like my friend who like had vague progressive convictions and beliefs in college and was able to retain certain knowledge about the world like the CIA fact book does or whatever. Mm. Over time, like the thing that's like really striking about like that Steven Sedlowitz guy is like he... And I put a clip of it in the episode, I think either last week or two weeks ago. Uh, there, there was a Zoom call he was on with somebody in a few days after October 7th. And he was talking about, like, the running joke at the State Department is, like, uh, the Middle East is um, the Middle East is 400 years in the past. Like, they're just entering, like, the, the world history 400 years ago. That's like insane. The, like, they work in those... This is the weird thing about American. It's the Empire. narrative industry, really. <clears throat> yeah, I like. Yeah. I thought this. I've thought this a few times when I've tried to understand nine eleven. Sometimes I do genuinely think because I go back and forth all the time on nine eleven. But sometimes I genuinely think. Good thing, bad thing. <laughs> 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 net no, positive, net negative. <laughs> Who's to say? <laughs> no, no. I mean, like, on what happened and why, like. I genuinely think sometimes that all these State Department employees unconsciously created all the conditions and <laughs> characters and and set into motion all the forces that created it to happen, uh. didn't even realize they were doing it. And then once it happened, that just verified all their work they had been doing over the previous 20 or 30 years. And then it just sets everything up on new terms in which they have to like dig in and become even more convicted about like the inherent backwardness of Middle Easterners and all this. You know, does that make sense? No, like, no, that makes perfect sense. But by their by by not maybe purposefully so, but by their actions, which you know, their 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 psychopathic or sociopathic sort of uh, undergirding their their ideology, right? Yeah, and creating the conditions that necessitate them to prove and point and say, hey, we were on the, I guess we were right, you know, to begin with. This is what we should be doing, you know what I mean? Yeah. Echoes of Biden's, if we didn't have an Israel, we would have had to create an Israel. Exactly. Right, you know, right. Exactly. And what exactly. they, when really and truly what they should have done is treated that bitch like uh, Guns and Roses treated Chinese democracy or Dr. Dre <laughs> created detox and just, you know. <laughs> Stick it back in the oven or just never put it out. Never release it, yeah. <laughs> never release yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, just as a, a, a file on folder somewhere in the State Department. Yeah, I, I, I even think sometimes... Ooh, man, that was a wild thing we did one time. Glad that didn't get out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like when you write a novel when you're like 21 years old and you go back and you read it, you're like, oh my God, this was really racist. I'm glad I didn't yeah. publish this. <laughs> this is horrible. <laughs> yes. I should have used that word. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, I do genuinely think sometimes that they even perhaps, I literally think that they even perhaps bought all the passports and flying lessons <laughs> for all the terrorists and didn't even realize that they were going through the motions of carrying out 9-11. And then when 9-11 happened, they were like, oh, my God. 
Yeah. Oh my God! It's just as we feared. Like they don't yeah. even realize it because because you know, it would take it would if they if they had to acknowledge. I mean, it'd be like staring into the abyss, right? If they had to acknowledge that they had an active role in making this happen, and actually, this is the enemy that they wanted, then their minds uh-huh. would break. They'd have a psychic break, you know what I mean? Yeah, they'd be they'd be sent to the rubber room, you know? Yep, <laughs> because they'd be screaming for hours on end, you know? I think that honestly. I kind of think that this logic also perhaps applies to Democrats in general right now. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, I was in Lexington earlier this week, and Tom and I were talking about this. Like, the the line that you're seeing, obviously, you're going to hear it more and more over the next 11 months. But the line that you're seeing that not voting for Biden is a vote for Trump, that this election is way too dangerous, that, like, you know, you, you know what I'm saying. Can't, 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 why, why? can't trick me. Can't fool me again, motherfucker. Whoa, why, is <laughs> ele- again. why? Why is the election like dangerous? Why is it more dangerous to sit it out and somehow less dangerous to just run somebody else? Uh huh. Well, yeah. you know what I mean. Like you know, your guy's dead in the water. Like the smart thing to do would be like, well, let's try something different. Let's correct course here. Like, uh, but see, you're, the onus you're has not, to be on the voter. You're not going to lose any of these mythical conservatives that you thought you were going to peel off from the Trump caucus. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if you run somebody else rather than you know Scranton Joe, it's that the reality is is Joe Biden is the best they have. Yeah, yeah, and that's disturbing. <laughs> yeah, that and and the onus is on us, right? Because. Instead of it being like like you're saying, Tom, like why don't you just switch him out with another candidate when he has well, a better I mean, chance of winning? I say that besides like you know maybe like well Bernie before his ceasefire uh, refusals yeah. and then you know members of the squad and stuff. But let's call it what it is. They're not going to run any of those people. No, no, and they're going to blame it on it's it's up to voters then. You know, it's up to um, Arab American um, Arab Americans and Muslims right to vote for him. You know what I mean? To suck it up and vote for him. You know, and young people <laughs> to suck it up and vote for him. Speaking of Bernie. I stick a pin in that, but did you see that there was a story in the New York Times today about like he wrote, Bernie he wrote a tribute to his boy Kissinger? Is that what he did? <laughs> no, he, <laughs> after he got after he got roundly roasted for his op-ed last week uh, in opposition to a ceasefire, he um, like the New York Times did a story about how the left has sort of turned on him, and there's a quote in here from Fez Shakir. Remember him? I think he used to work for Bernie's campaign. Yeah, he worked Wasn't for he Sanders. Like he ran the campaign for a while. Something like that, yeah. I think so. He said the easiest thing for Bernie Sanders to do would be to just say something to make activists happy. And the fact that he's not is, ind- is indicative of how sincerely he approaches this issue in particular. It's an affirmation that Bernie Sanders doesn't come to these things with political positioning in mind. He's actually struggling with the moral dimensions of this. <laughs> No, he's not. Because like, if he was, he wouldn't fucking come out there and be so uh, so stringently against the ceasefire. If yeah. this is something he had to mull over in his mind and turn over in his mind, which I don't know why you would, then he would just keep his fucking mouth shut, you it's, know, until he made a decision. You know what I mean? The thing is, is it is a primary example of how liberal Zionism is just this sort of like ethereal ghost. Like we talked about this on the last on last week's episode, like the history of liberal Zionism and the ideology of it. Bernie Sanders is like a classic example of it because, like, he he even went and worked on a kibbutz. Yeah, uh, he believes firmly in the leftist potential of Israel, and yeah. it's fascinating because Aaron, something you had asked me is like we were talking about like the Pal Zion movement and like mm. liberal Zionism, and about like you had asked me like I said they were socialists and you said like well um, like nominally socialists or like what mm-hmm. do you mean and I said like mm-hmm. socialists in the context of eastern europe in the mm-hmm. 1920s 30s 
and 40s. And I finally finished reading the book that I was referencing um, called Revolutionary Yiddish Land. And something that's very fascinating that they point out is that liberal Zionism now was built on a social base that no longer exists. By that, they're talking about the working, the Jewish working class of Eastern Europe. And you have to kind of think about that, like what it means to have an active, living, breathing politic that is based off of a social base and political economy and demographic that just quite simply does not exist any longer. Mm, you're like kind of holding up these ghosts, you know? Yeah. And I think that yeah, America... I like how we did with coal miners in 2016. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Amer- I mean, America itself, I feel like, is sort of haunted by that. Like, mm. like last week I saw a story about a high school somewhere using, like, a Himmler quote in its, <laughs> like, daily... Jesus Christ. And then, like, you got the Michigan State Spartans projecting Hitler on a massive Jumbotron screen. What next the to, like, fuck was that? <laughs> what the, yeah, that was, what the fuck? When was this? <laughs> That was early. That's been a couple months ago, I guess. Yeah. yeah. It was there during the Michigan game. So it was like a month ago. Why? Uh, Where they're just... saying Michi- the Michigan Wolverines are literally Hitler. <laughs> they are <Wow>. cheaters. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't, I just, I guess what I mean is that like we are kind of surrounded by these just ghosts of the past because we're unable to really grapple with the past. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like we don't. It's hauntology. Have... It is. Yeah. It's where we're haunted by these yeah. specters. You know, whether it's the specter or the disappearance of the specter of communism. You know, not even be haunted by communism itself, but by the fact it's gone. So you have no. You you have to create these ghosts in order to put, uh, put, uh, to put yourself against opposition to something. You know. Yeah. Even though you know you know what I mean. It's there's no, no there is no opposition to the current world order in the way that communism presented a challenge to it or an alternative exactly. to it. Rather, you exactly. know what I mean. Exactly. It's just sort of this like sort of. Just, um, I'm not even talking about the lefts, uh, like, explicitly. I mean, just, like, everything else that could, like, challenge this is just sort of, like, in the wind. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't want to, and I don't say that to denigrate anybody that's, like, doing any kind of work, but it's like, we all have, like, our different tendencies and all this stuff, and we can't seem to exactly, you know, coalesce that into, like, sort of a... uh, I hate to say alternative vision of the future because we say it too much, but yeah, I mean, it's a lost it's a lost future is what it is because I mean ontology is about what may have been but what can still be you know what I mean so it's because we're in this you know I mean we call it the e crisis but you could call it like what do we do about the future you know it's, it's it is so up in the air that like we're either haunted by these ghosts of the past that we think will lead us forward or you know haunted by them and this is how we perform our ideology or our politics you know what I mean yeah. yeah. Well, and it's interesting in this book, they interview multiple people. This book was written in the early 80s, and they interview multiple people who, like, they tease out several strands of Jewish radicalism, like communism being one, the Bund being another one, which would have set up, like, a Jewish nation state somewhere other than the Levant in Palestine, and then communism being the Soviet Union, and then Pal Zion, which was, you know, like, the the liberal Zionist movement in Palestine. And it's interesting because they talk about, like, they use this term, like, a field of ideological ruins. That, like, Israel in itself is a example of a failed utopia. Like, mm. and, and in many ways, Germany, too, Germany and Israel are both sort of, like, haunted by, like, the stillbirth of revolution. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. they were never, 
like that that leftist that revolution was never able to arise um and you, or go ahead no okay could i just ask a question would you say that too i know this may be a little bit of a tangent but would you say that about the american south too you know because i especially think a post reconstruction yeah. you know what i mean and the failure of reconstruction the fail of creating a yeah. like a multiracial social democracy and that like you know it, despite the fact that i mean the South is like has contained some of the poorest people in the country, right? Re- regionally speaking, you know, um, and I mean, some of the most intense labor movements and battles were in Appalachia, were in the South. You know, the Civil Rights Movement, right? Yeah. You know, birthplace in Atlanta, Georgia. So yeah, I feel like I don't know. I was just thinking, yeah, I feel like I mean, I guess you could say America itself is a fail. I mean, America is that's a false kind of definition, though. America is a failed utopia because it never was really meant to be a utopia for everyone, anyway. You know, right? But, um. I think the South is kind of like, yeah, you know. No, you're right. The, I mean, because the Civil War was the completion of the bourgeois revolution. Exactly. Here. Exactly. And you're right. Like, it was never allowed to be carried fully out. Reconstruction was ended. Mm-hmm. Um, we did not expropriate the lands and redistribute them to Sherman the former slaves. Sherman didn't go from the river to the sea. He didn't continue, but... Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, he did, actually, but he did. But. <laughs> right, right. We but didn't did. hang Nathan Bedford for us. Right. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But it's... I think that the point is, is that, like, they describe in this book, like, every person they talked to who was present for the creation of the state of Israel who left Europe during World War II and the Holocaust, they they described this, this process of abandoning these utopian dreams of a better world and inter- and converting to realism like they i think multiple people say that like conversions to realism yeah and like what's what is meant by that phrase just that like they all eventually accepted the fact that international proletarian socialist revolution was, was a pop dream yeah, by pipe dream, which again, the Soviet Union blames or holds a lot of the blame for this socialism in one country, etc. Like this isn't like just the fault of uh, the United States Marshall Plan and everything else after World War II. Like this also has a lot to do with Soviet Comintern policy previous to like 1942 and everything else. And I think that like in that void of unrealized hopes and dreams that's when you get these sort of like behemoths uh, obviously like like israel itself mm. which is like a, is a product of the sort of like violent uh eth you know ethno supremacist tendencies of its time Absolutely. that has never been able to shed that and um in the same way that like liberal zionists are able to use like the hardcore right wing like pro settler settler faction in israel as a excuse for why israel can't live up to its full potential the liberals do that here in america and it's why like i just don't fucking buy it every time they get out on the timeline and try to scold people like oh you must want Trump to be. Oh my God! Like you're not voting for Biden is a vote for Trump. You don't. You're you're committing moral seppuku. Like you're gonna put us all in danger. And it's just like, you're hey, committing moral seppuku. <laughs> <laughs> That's my own. But, but you know, <laughs> but it's like, hey, you need Trump because it yeah. gives you a plausible deniability to not do jack shit, and but also be, something to fundraise off of. Yeah. But B, as I pointed out to Tom earlier this week, and I put and I said it online. Like, I truly believe that a big part of what's going on here is like, like Aaron, are are you Aaron? Are you familiar with the term called loss chasing? 
No, it's lost chasing. I like the way that sounds though. So lost chasing in lost chasing is a term we use to describe certain forms of gambling addiction or like mm. disordered gambling. Mm. And what it means is that after a certain point, after you have been gambling for so long mm. uh, in this disordered way, you eventually start actively hoping you lose. Ah, like, and the reason you become why almost addicted to losing. You become addicted to losing because it gives you a further, uh, uh, it gives you further justification for continuing for your, for your to addiction gamble. for your gambling addiction. For, exactly. So, yeah. like, you're chasing loss. You are. You're mm. not at any. Like, you've passed the point of even trying to recoup your losses and doubling down. <laughs> you actively want to lose. Yeah, this you want to. I was telling Terrence, this is the whole reason Monday Night Football was created. By the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right, you, want to ju- you want to materialize your loss to justify your addiction, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and I and I do think a similar psychological phenomenon is occurring with the stencil types and the people because, like, it is a question like, do they really care? Do they really not? I mean, do they hate Trump that much? Like, what is sincere here? What's cynical? And I do think that it, that's a big part of it. Like, they they genuinely want to lose. They don't really care whether Biden wins or not. They just need to keep fucking pushing the dopamine button, hoping that, hoping that next time things are a little bit different, but knowing deep down that it won't be. And also knowing that the decision, the, the, that the crux of it isn't even hoping that things are different, right? Yeah. It's to continue to push a narrative, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, what? because I mean, we've said this about liberals before, is that like, you know, they don't know how to govern, you know? I mean, we, we haven't said this. I mean, this is like The Simpsons has even made like a <laughs> joke out of this, right? Like, we yeah. hate ourselves, we can't govern. And, you know, I was thinking when you were talking, Terrence, about um, sort of the way that um, liberal, or even socialist Zionists, right, who were inspired by um, and bringing socialism out of Eastern Europe, right, to Israel, how these kinds of hopes and dreams of utopia were dashed once the reality of what was needed, right, to create like a Jewish state, once they realized that it would be an occupation, right? Um, And I was thinking the same way that you now have these liberals that are not just scolding the left, but they're scolding like Muslims and Arab Americans. Yeah, that's insane. These are the same fucking people, group of people that they were, they were so against the airport ban you know yeah they were so against the they were a lot they were allying themselves with the progressives and the left when there were the airport um protests right people like doing flash protests at the airports same i mean tom you've said it right all screaming about kids in cages and now it's not even just that state department guy because that guy's like a bloodthirsty psycho right who is actually within the apparatus of you know uh, um foreign policy right of course these people are ghouls but we're just talking about like the foot soldiers the ideological foot soldiers of the democratic party these people now who are saying well i know to like you know muslim people and arabs i know well things are bad now but can you imagine under trump and literally throwing them under the bus as well it's like it's so easy for these people but you know i don't know man because i just have to say though it's one thing to do it in pursuit of a project if you're working in foreign policy, it's another thing to do it in service of this party that has no future. You know what I mean? That's much more pathetic. I'm sorry. Equally pathetic, but that something about the latter is just so much more soul evacuating. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because there's no, there's no, there's no consequence to it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It it is wild that the line that you've seen repeated several times over the last week 
week and a half is I hope you enjoy the camps. Are what what what? There was like a tweet, Tom. Yes. That there was a, where was one tweet that I was talking to Tom, that I read out loud to Tom that made me bust out fucking <laughs> laughing. The first line was, "Go for it, Muslims." Go for it, Muslims. <laughs> Go ahead and vote vote in your detention centers and all this. It's like, dude, what the fuck are Yo, you guys talking about? It's almost like they about? want it to happen. It's yeah. almost like they want it to happen to justify their existence because they'll be like, we told you so. We told you we were better than the fascists and you didn't vote for us. So see what happens? It's like, no, dude. <laughs> well, but it's also just like, like I mean, there's a rhetorical reality and then there's like, or, and there's like an actual concrete reality of like what happened. And I'm not saying uh, the prospect of Trump, too, does terrify me in a lot of ways, particularly like when. He's talking about seeking vigilante justice on all of his it, which could be funny oh, in some ways and terrifying fucked. in others. We're probably yeah, fucked, there, dog. Where there are people that he's like justifying and sanctioning militias that are going to hunt down leftists that he gets paid. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. That is not. communities, that's very scary. That does, that does make me nervous, you know yeah. what I mean? But like, what I want to say is, and, and I don't say this in a, you know, like, a, you know, that Dr. Seuss cartoon of like, of Hitler when they were talking about Neville Chamberlain says if he starts goose stepping then we'll step in and stop him like i don't want to like come off like i'm doing that mm. like re trump uh huh but like a lot of the stuff they were saying could have easily been true in trump's one term and and rhetorically it was i mean he called mexicans rapists and all this stuff murderers whatever whatever but in actual concrete practice you could argue reasonably if we just cut through the rhetorical bullshit of like uh, Joe Biden's the goody, Trump's the baddie, that the Biden administration is way worse on some of these things. You know, well, there I mean? was like, there was an article I read in the yeah. New York Times today, or maybe it was the Washington Post because the Washington Post had an opinion, an op-ed that was just like, "We are about to have a dictatorship and no one cares." I think that was literally like basically the gist of the headline, um, and. Okay, a Trump dictatorship is is increasingly inevitable. We should stop pretending. And there was a line in there about how one of the <laughs> okay. things Biden has going against him, and they again they didn't really see the uh, they didn't really see the the irony here. Um, Trump l enjoys the usual advantage of non-incumbency, namely the lack of any responsibility. Biden must carry the world's problems like an albatross around his neck, like any incumbent, but most incumbents can at least claim that their opponent is too inexperienced to be entrusted with these crises. Biden cannot. This is funny. On Trump's watch, there was no full-scale invasion of Ukraine, no major attack on Israel, no runaway inflation, no disastrous retreat from Afghanistan. It is hard to make the case for Trump's unfitness to anyone who does not already believe it. It's like they. I mean, can't that really... all that makes the case for why that's he what is I'm exactly fit that's, for the presidency. That's exactly now, what I'm saying. Now we know the reason for that is because this guy really just wanted to play golf all the time and like fuck off and not really do like what like didn't he leave office having not even hired like many cabinet members and yeah. stuff like that? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I it could have just been a consequence of like the laziness of like their project overall and how like he was sort of like was this like. You know, enfant terrible with regards yeah. to like you know uh, what's his name, uh, Steve Bannon, and all these different people. You know, but the effect you have to be honest and candid about is that in in many ways Biden has been way worse, way more bloodthirsty, etc. Well, I think the thing is, hey, hold on a second, guys. I I got somebody at the door. Can we hold that thought for a second? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Coitus interruptus. <laughs> Coitus interruptus. <laughs> oh, man. Pulling out and busting. Mm-hmm. Early. Busting early, right. Yeah, we're down one. Tom has maintenance issues. Technical difficulties. Um, Technical difficulties. Yeah. But I guess something I was going to say is that, um, I don't know. I mean, I get this at this point. Like, the the fact of the matter is, is their weapon for wanting to stop Trump is simply not up to the task. Yeah. And that's really what the issue is. It's not about, like, this, like, left case for for Trump or left case for Biden or any of this stuff. It's just that, like, objectively on the terms that you've set – your weapon for stopping Trump will not cut it. I mean, I guess it could under certain circumstances and just certain flukes and maybe just fatigue. Maybe, like, yeah, it's a fucking 10% voter turnout and, like, <laughs> yeah. something miraculous happens. But, like, otherwise, all of the obstacles and things that you put in place to make sure this wouldn't happen again simply aren't going to cut it. And so that's why, like, the scolding and the browbeating just isn't going to work this time. No. And I think that, like, another big thing here and something that I've been really been thinking a lot about is just, like, the there's such a massive disjuncture between, like, the ideals and ambitions of this administration and what it's actually been able to achieve. Hmm. So, for example... Like, I'm signing up for healthcare right now, trying to, anyways. Yeah, I'm like, getting the emails now, and I'm like, well, maybe I'll do it this year. I, should, I, need, right, I right. need healthcare. I need to fucking get this shit. Well, but, but like, health premiums are going up because health mm. costs have skyrocketed over the last year. They've been unable to rein it back in, in uh, uh, rein in the, that inflation like they have on some other goods. But, like, health costs, rents, and premiums are mm. going through the fucking roof. And you've got this situation where, like, I mean, like I said on Twitter, like, it's kind of like Herbert Hoover levels of hubris. I mean, it's crazy. Like, they have been so hubristic and so arrogant. About and Bidenomics that, and the Bidenomics yes, is working. Yes. But, uh, despite the fact and, that the reality and, for millions of people, you know what I mean? is like yeah. the fact that 60-something people are living paycheck to paycheck. I mean, it just doesn't reflect reality, you know? Yeah, and it's, and it's, it's the thing is, it's like, you're right, it doesn't reflect the reality. And it's, I guess what's so fascinating about it is that, also, student loans. It's just yeah. like, I mean, how many fucking op-eds do we see and tweets did we see since October 7th about the the youth playing with fire? Like, we have to get Biden back in there. It's like, well, well, I hate to sound cynical about this or, like, uh, underestimate the convictions of the youth, but you probably could have fucking peeled off a substantial amount of them if you hadn't fucking dangled student loans out in front of them and then pulled it fucking back. Like, yeah, I mean, people voted. Young people voted. I mean, they had no illusions that Biden was a Sanders, right, and that he supported like free tuition or whatever. But there was this idea that the same way that Hillary can't campaign even rhetorically absorbed or the democratic party actually generally sort of absorbed some of these ideas that were demands of the left in 2016 i'm not saying that they carried any of them out right but there were rhetorical promises made you thought that they would have done this in uh in 2020 you know and i think that's why young people voted for biden because it was uh climate change yeah it was student loans you know these were two big issues and what did they do you know they dangled it like a carrot like you said yeah and i know people will say well it get tied it got tied up in court and it's not just his fault he tried but dude i don't fucking buy that you know i don't I mean, fucking buy that that's the thing i don't buy it either it's like there are things that you can do 
the fucking Supreme Court does not make fucking rules. I'm sorry. (laughs) That's not the way it works. They're fucking (laughs) judges. They weigh in on things and give their stupid-ass opinions, but you can ignore their stupid-ass opinions. (laughs) Yes. It's just, I just, I don't know, man. I just, they're hubris, and and not only that, it's just obviously their arrogant, completely belligerent posture on Palestine was just insane. Just the fact that, like, they didn't even do anything to halfway earn that belligerence. You know what I'm saying? Like, they didn't even explain themselves. And no, they were just lashing out and lashing out at people demanding a ceasefire and yeah. genocide. And this is the thing I am I anticipate, I imagine this is a much more viscerally important issue for a lot of people. And I'm just basing this on the fact that we had a Patreon uh, subscriber unsubscribe for us boasting about not voting. It's just like they they <laughs> I guess like they were chill with um me basically saying like I'm not going to denounce Hamas until I know for a fact what happened on October 7th. That was fine, but then like saying like I'm not going to vote, that's a line I too guess, far. I I guess that I, means this is a very charged subject. I guess for the well, the number of years that we've been doing the show and we talk about like, you know, joke uh, uh my in Minecraft about a uh, black bagging billionaires in the middle of the night and like executing <laughs> them. I guess like that's <laughs> I guess or fascist. I guess that's fine, but when it comes to the real meat of the issue of are you going to vote to come next year? That's a little yeah. bit too far. Listen, I just want to say something real quick, dog. Look, bro, I mean, like, every time this shit happens, I always want to post this fucking meme of the Charlie Brown and the football shit. Like, what is it going to take for people like that? And I'm not I'm not lashing out at this one person specifically, but these, these people who think for some reason they believe this bullshit about this is the most important ele- election of our lifetimes ever, which they say every fucking year. At what point do you start to maybe consider that if this country is always on a knife's edge of, of uh, slipping into outright fascism... Why don't you ever think if maybe the Democratic Party has some culpability, right? Yeah. <laughs> in, in that rightward shift. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think the thing is, is that, like, what we're getting at here is there's not a viable option in any route. It's like, <laughs> if you decide not to vote, if you decide to vote, if you decide that Biden is the last chance, you know, the last bulwark we have against <laughs> uh, fas- dictatorship, if you decide weirdly that Trump is the only fucking... None of these options are going to cut it. Even if you decide not to vote and sit it out, that's not going to yeah. cut it either. It's like there's yeah. not an option that fully gets at the sclerotic just rot at the nature of this thing. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. And yeah. so that, yeah. I just... I don't know. I mean, I just... And again, you're right. I'm not trying to pick on this one person. I'm just using this as an example to show that this is a very visceral, charged issue that will only become more and more visceral and charged over the next year. And I don't really fully have an answer other than to say, like, none of the things that the Democrats have done since 2020 have uh, have done anything towards avoiding Trump. Dude, right. Actually, they're in. I, can I just say real quick? Their inaction has led to. All right. I want to be careful about saying this because, again, I don't want to make it sound as if, um, as if Trump. I mean, look, everything that we thought was going to happen under Trump is happening under Biden, and it's because of inaction from the Democrats. And Roe v. Wade is a perfect example. Yeah. They couldn't even fucking protect Roe v. Wade. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, come on, man. So, what makes you think that any of the other things that they promised that they were going to fulfill? You know? Well, and that's the that's the thing. It's just that there's not an adequate position here, because, like, I guess, gun to my head, like. 
I mean, it does seem it almost does seem kind of like a no brainer, like gun to your head. You have to pick one Trump or Biden. It's like, well, this is a no brainer. But I think the thing is, is that when it comes to our society, there are all kinds of forms of opting out. There are plenty of people who decide to opt out of various familial forms, uh, who decide to opt out of various life paths like college or high school. Uh, and And then there are people who decide to opt out of the electoral process. And I think that all of those choices are inherently sort of radical in a way. Doesn't mean a left radicalism, a right radicalism. It is just a rejection of all of the things placed in front of us. And it's like Bartleby the Scrivener, you know, um, yeah. that, that short story by uh, Herman Melville where the yeah. guy says, uh, I, I don't think I will. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't know what the exact quote is, but he's like, yeah. uh, I'd rather not. I think that's right. what it is. I'd rather right. not. And I think that, like, there's just something there uh, that people, more and more people should be interrogating. And. Granted, can you interrogate it and solve it within a less than a year? No. And I was informed today on Twitter that it's even it is too late to actually replace Biden. Like the primary deadlines for most of the most important states have already passed. Like primary. So wait, what if he sti- died? What if he died? He'd have to vote his corpse. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, is, what they're doing now, basically. There is still the convention. Like there could be like a convention coup, like in July or August or whenever. <laughs> Yo, bro. I would say something real quick. Like, yo, all right. Could I imagine the Republicans doing something like that, as desperate like that, like being militant about, I mean, not really, because I guess they made Trump sound like he was going to be like, you know, uh, this stain on their party and they fell in line. But I mean, these are the motherfuckers. Okay, I'm not talking again about the elected officials, but I'm just talking about the party in the base. I mean, these are the motherfuckers who charge it to the Capitol January 6th, right? Right. But could you imagine a Democrats holding a coup at the convention? Like, who would there even, like Tom said, they don't have anybody. I think you had said this earlier. They don't have anybody left. So who would even, who would even be leading the coup? Yeah. I mean, it's hard, it's hard to say because, like, it's, you, there's no way to know the future. But, like, if you like read that liberal manifesto thing we read over the weekend, like there's no substance there. Yeah, like exactly. it is like there's nothing in it. And there's so, no gleaning of an, an ideological project. You yeah, there's, you're right. There's not even. You're right. There's not even an ideological project. Like even if they if they if they did come out and say like, we believe in revamping America's infrastructure, which by the way, the Biden Biden administration did announce a plan to like revamp. Wasn't that build back lines. better? I thought that was you're right. I thought that was built back better, but I guess that they're they're, so they're built back better too. <laughs> built back, back better, better, betterer. <laughs> built back betterer. Uh, but like, I guess you would expect to read a manifesto like that and see them saying like, "Well, we're going to pack the court." I mean, like, uh, uh, liberals believe in because, like, that's the thing. Like, one of the things he says in there in that manifesto is like. Liberals don't believe in the static nature or of the original frame of the original constitution and the framework. Yeah, they're of the not nation. like fundament. They're not fundamentalists when it comes to like the yes. original interpretation of the originalist. Right. I guess is the term, right? Right. But at the same time, like it's just like okay. So having laid out that premise, you would then expect them to say like, well, ergo, that's why we believe packing the courts and doing X Y Z is it. All of which I think is just like window dressing and sure. reformist, whatever. But sure, I think that would be a 
an actual liberal vision, something that yeah. you could actually sink your teeth into. They don't even have that. All they have is illusion. They have these minute economical mechanisms that they can like pull and tug on here and there to make the economy because like yes the economy has grown apparently four percent in the last several years which is a, apparently like an unprecedented amount of growth but what does that mean though but you're right exactly <laughs> the cost of that economy has exceeded our ability to participate in it yeah and so people are caught in a bind and because the liberals don't have any other uh, message, any other vision outside of, look, the number's going up, you're crazy. Look, Israel has a right to defend itself, you're crazy. Yeah. Other than that, that's going to produce some disastrous results. And that's why I say it doesn't matter, because I'm not the only motherfucker voting. Exactly. You aren't either. There are plenty of other people who don't listen to fucking brain disease podcasts like this and spend all their day on Twitter who also experience those things. They see what they're saying and they say there is a fundamental disjuncture between my life and what yep. they are saying. Yep, and, and I, it's and an I feel insult. It. This, is, this is provable because I feel yes. this is within my own fucking I, exactly. life. Exactly. It is provable and it is a fucking insult to me that they are not, that, that instead of meeting me where I'm at, they're asking me to meet them where they're at, exactly. which is an illusion. <laughs> exactly. And that is not how you get people to turn out to vote for you. Dude, and that's you why I'm saying... Go, it ahead, go, ahead, go ahead. That's why I'm, I'm just saying that's, that, that is a disaster. That is not a winning message. That's why I'm saying it doesn't matter. That's why it doesn't matter to berate people and scold them to it. Because you're going to lose anyway. Because that's your fucking message. They're just not going to show up. Listen, man. It's just like this idea that you can berate and scold people into voting for you. And that completely won't validate the reasons why they don't want to vote in the first place. And I think part of that is because, like... The liberals are very sanctimonious, you know. They are very holier than thou. Very smug. While touting yes. touting these smug accomplishments, which are not accomplishments at all, while berating and shaming anyone else who does not recognize their like God given glory. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. just like I think that's why <laughs> I think that's why that guy is harassing fucking halal vendors. Yeah, like, because, yes, because he feels like they're like they feel as if we said this before, liberals fucking hate they hate themselves and they hate everybody, especially themselves. But it's almost like this idea of like, don't you recognize my genius and that I'm trying to yep. help you, you ungrateful yep. ingrate that you don't yep. recognize that I'm trying to help you. You know what? Then you deserve your ill begotten, your your -gotten game. Yeah. You deserve yeah. it then. Yep. It's just it's just like so I mean, this is this is again why I think we were talking about like, you know, this this these these jackals within within the party. And it really does seem that all right, I, I guess the way to put it is sort of that it seems, and I could be wrong about this. This is this is not original, not an original idea. But it seems like the right is at least scared of their base, if not, if not very aware that the power, I guess the the, the ideological power in their party lies with the base. You know, so they're, I would say, amenable, even if they don't carry out this this uh, this dystopic vision of the future. I mean, Trump did said he was going to build a fucking wall, and that was the fucking that was the uh -huh. main got right. But it seems more that liberals are better at 
at persuading their voters, more controlling them rather, or shaping an argument that they then reside in, you know, which is why you'll have like the most diehard liberals will defend the most batshit insane shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, think I don't know if any of that makes sense, but it's no. like, you know, they're, they're shocked because people are turning away from that and actually have the temerity to be like, actually, no, fuck you, you know? No, you're right. I think that they're better crafters of reality. They are better yeah. crafters of delusion. Yeah. And I genuinely think that's why you've got a liberal out there. Because, like, right-wingers already believe all that racist stuff. Yeah. Like, that's probably why they don't go around, like, harassing halal vendors with the same fervor and insistence and regularity as this guy. Yeah, this guy's a car-carrying member. They do have yeah, car- ambient exactly. background noise in which they live. <laughs> that's exactly right. This guy had the passion of a convert. You could tell that his entire <laughs> his illusions had been caved in. It, and so, and, and, like, and that becomes the... Cynical is the cynicism that they operate on, hmm. and uh, I don't and, and and I don't know. I, I just think that like there's that there is something to be said for that. I think that they, uh, you know, what's fascinating to me is that you have an open fucking lane if you could just take it, like hmm. in the sense that like, you could solve a lot of these problems, in the sense that like in my opinion, the right wing has never been weaker. Yeah. Like as we pointed out. All you got to do is just buck up to these assholes just with a little bit of military might or something, and they're yeah. going to fucking just cower, tuck tail between and, their legs, and get in their and, doomsday bunkers. Get in the bunkers, exactly. They're fucking yeah. terrified. They're little bitches. Like, they, yeah. they have no—they're all bark, no bite. Yeah. And that's why, like, all this stuff from, like, the state level, all the things they're doing at the state level, the Democrats could do shit about all this. But instead— what they do is they go out there and they just say, oh, look, our, either our hands are tied. We have to listen to the Supreme Court on this. And, and if you don't fucking continue voting for us, then that's on you that you didn't vote for us to put in Supreme Court justices who uh, who were going to let bully us anyways. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So it's just like it doesn't I don't know. I just I just I guess I just am at this point where it's just like uh, people really need to start like, I'm addressing this to people. I'm addressing this to anyone who comes at me and says, like, well, you can't be saying we shouldn't vote. You can't be saying that it's not important, all this. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that we can no longer pretend like these, like, th- like this is not just an illusion mm-hmm. meant to patch together f- every, you know, couple of years a very tenuous in my opinion, insulting and condescending approach to all of our lives that are on the lines every time, you know, we are involved in some uh, uh, conflict halfway around the world where there's nuclear power, Mm. you know, nuclear weapons involved. Like, I'm I'm just fucking tired of having to pretend like this is just some short-term gain game for gains we're not even getting exactly when our own fucking lives are on the line constantly I mean, it's, it's, it's like just, what you were saying i think last uh we were talking about um israel specifically but just like kind of being fed up with this like oh you have to condemn hamas or you have to like sort of like acknowledge that um i don't know just this idea that again they want you to like walk around nodding along with genocide and i think with the, you see the same sort of project within the Democratic Party and within, within the liberal establishment to kind of like pull the wool over people's eyes, I guess, right? Or keep the wool over their eyes and tell people that like, once again, we are on the verge of fascism and this is the most important election of our lifetimes yet. 
I don't know, man. I, I just have to say, like, people think about elections in terms of, like, not not what's going to happen next year or four years from now, but they're thinking about what's happening right now. And if what's happening what's happening right now is so bad that they want to like check out, then you then how are you gonna how are you gonna chastise them for that? You know. Right. 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 I don't know. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. Um, well, I had, I, you know, wanted to talk a little bit about like what actually transpired this week in terms of like Hamas, you know, the, the hostage deal and everything else, but perhaps we'll save that for the Patreon because I believe that this ceasefire was extended until Friday. Mm-hmm. And if the ceasefire does end on Friday, um, I suspect that Israel will go right back to bombing. Um, we will see, of course. Uh, you never know. Nothing is inevitable, but I don't have a lot of optimism about it. And so, I mean, didn't they? Didn't they say? Didn't um? Didn't they say that? I don't know if it's some Israeli defense minister or some shit, but that or I IDF uh, spokesperson, but that they were going to continue the bombing after the the bullshit false ceasefire they were going to continue at least for a couple months i saw that yet two months which is just i mean it's not i mean if the death if the death toll now is like what like i mean 14,000 14 you know 15 uh, 15 you know i mean just two more i mean jesus man yeah that's a so we'll see we'll see how how it shakes out um because I think that the Biden administration probably wants to get this wrapped up. However, they are in a bind. They are they are in a contradictory position because on one hand, they do probably understand that this needs to get wrapped up before we really start entering into primary season. Mm-hmm. Not that Biden's got any challengers, but I do think that that like some of the momentum from that will carry over. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, their policy has been to let Israel do whatever the fuck it wants under the guidance that hey they have the right to defend themselves and Hamas yeah so how are they going to th- how are they going to thread that needle the yeah. needle with the defending Israel supporting Israel's continuing to support Israel's right to exist versus yeah. we have an election year coming up and actually if the opponent our opponent isn't actually another candidate but it is this ungodly war that we feel where we were locked into supporting because again we're haunted by these these uh, yeah. these these past, you know, these these past histories, you know, and these just more modes of, of I don't even I don't even know because we've talked about this before. Like, what is the gain that the United States? I mean, what having a foothold in the Middle East? I yeah. guess, you know. What well, is, it's what is it, you know. Yeah, what is it gain? Right, it's yeah. it's weird. It's like they have demonstrated to all of us that they would rather lose the election than do any fucking thing about this. Yeah. And so that's why like all these op eds and the scolds and everything read, ring so hollow. It's like they don't even fucking want to win. Obviously, yeah. they don't fucking care what they're doing. Exactly. They'll fucking let Israel like bomb the whole fucking place until no one's left. Yep. And it's just like I mean I don't know. It's just I. Mean, but at the same time. I do think there are probably people in the administration that realize how those two postures are in tension with one another. Mm-hmm. They, they are in a contradictory position. And so we'll have to see, you know, we'll just have to see how they try to thread that needle. I don't imagine they can. Because, like, no, look at the so. leadership. You think Biden is going to be able to craftily thread, thread that needle? Absolutely no. not. His brain is so calcified now that the 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 aperture of, like, the political window, right, the possibility... In his mind, is just it's just precluded by just the calcification, the hardening of his mind. You know, the grooves in his brain are already set that he's just chilling in there. Yeah, there's no I mean? dynamism. Yeah, right. yeah there's, there's no dynamism. Not. There's no flexibility. You know. Yeah. 
We're dealing with fossils, is what I'm saying. And the and the thing is, is you have to expect that that's widespread. Because if if a lot of people in that administration would just sign off on that and let it allow it to be, they are also probably just as like fog foggy headed, fog brained, and like completely addled. Yeah. And um, so I don't know. We will see how that pos- that posture, that position, starts to unravel them. Uh, uh, unless, like I said, unless they can figure something out and hammer out a permanent ceasefire and actually get this to a place where it's presentable to the American public. But I don't think they will be able to do that. Um, no, but I have just, been wrong many times since this true, true. began. And I, so. and I know we're about to just want to say, though, just as a kind of closing thought is like, you know, we're talking about like the uh, uh, the American, uh, you know, Biden's administration. Um, but I mean, you could look at like the Israelis, you know what I mean? What, 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 what would the, I mean, even the most moderate quote moderate, right. Of their, uh, Knesset, I guess. I mean, I think it was this woman, this most member of this most moderate party. I think she was, I saw a couple of weeks ago, she was just talking about like, yes. And the children too, we're going to have yep. to kill the children too. She's talking about like Palestinian children. <laughs> this is, so it's yeah. like, even if the United and again, I think this is what we're talking about, right? We're talking about like again these haunted these 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 specters, right? That are haunting the specter of settler colonialism. I don't know if they'll be able. I mean, and I could be wrong too, man. I don't know. Like, I have to believe this has to give at some point. But I'm just saying, with the Israelis' leadership right now, they're insanely rabid right wing well, leadership. I don't. You know what I mean? What what, what deals the U.S. going to hammer out? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that the the fact of the matter is, is this has shown that the only viable position, the only viable option, is a one state, pluralistic, multicultural, multi ethnic democracy. I do think that there and there has actually been polling that shows this. There is a I don't I don't know if it's widespread, but it is majority support of Palestinians support that one state pluralistic vision. Majority of Israelis do not. Over not even over, over yeah, a majority, yeah, but we're yeah. talking about like the nineties to percent of shit. Yeah. Like the like there if you could have no, a poll that was more yeah. kind of complete and universal, like ninety it's almost like eighty, ninety percent, that's insane. Dude. Yeah. For that to actually stop for for this process of apartheid and occupation and constant like just mass slaughter of Palestinians for it to stop you have to have that project that that that, that like pluralistic democratic truth and reconciliation process but that means both sides have to be willing to do it and Israel Israel is not and they have and nuclear think, weapons by the way. and they have nuclear weapons and that's why that is why it is not just a fucking minute throwaway matter like who you vote for next you're in the election mm. it's like maybe trump gets in there and eggs on bb to use nukes i don't mm. fucking know mm-hmm. but at the same time this maybe. is why i kind of feel like it's out of our hands because because yeah. like yeah. if biden is trying to like thread this needle in this situation where it does seem to be a sort of like death lock you know sort of death spiral yeah. on one side the israeli side mm-hmm. then like there's no way to reconcile any of those contradictions and so Biden himself might wind up triggering some sort of nuclear conflagration. Well, Biden, just, what's, what's Biden talking about? Fucking offering Gaza's natural gas once they yeah. once they flatten Gaza. It's like it's just like yeah. you know what I mean. So on the other, as you were saying before, on either side, it's just untenable and unconscionable. You know what I mean? It is. You have disaster think, capitalism if Biden gets it again, or you have straight up World War Three, or you might yeah. have World War Three if Biden gets reelected. I don't fucking know. I think know? that it, in any scenario, you've probably got some sort of like nuclear World War Three <laughs> scenario. It's so fucking bleak. Oh my god. 
because like in any scenario you've also got the climate catastrophe which is basically <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. like so, a nuclear type event you know what so. you know what i don't hope this is not a biblical kind of um or like a, a i'm not I hope i'm not as a marxist or materialist i should say a historical materialist and a marxist i hope i'm not um lending this to uh these these aethers of history or nature of these forces but it's like the existential crisis that we face are almost too grand to be i mean they are too grand to be solved by the current economic mode of production and our political yeah. economy they're just we're dealing with climate change or we're dealing like the unleashing of the means to destroy ourselves in terms of nuclear war uh, this this octogenarian who is fading away in his in his waking hours is and this tv reality guy or just not voting none of these options are adequate right now yeah you know that's why like it, it requires in an 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 entire rethinking of how we conceive of the world and of history mm. and ourselves as humans, our potential yeah. to yeah. transcend these things, to yeah. actually like build worlds. Yeah. And I think that like, again, it's just so inadequate and insulting to just, with all of that in mind, with all of those various dynamics and things at play, it is just inadequate. It doesn't make any sense to just uh, say that like, well, one option next year will avert any of these various catastrophic millenarian disasters and i don't know i i just i just need to stress that it's i just need to stress that like what the stakes are here is that like you have an ethnostate that has dug in and entrenched an ethnostate with nuclear weapons has dug in and entrenched and as we pointed out on the episode last week the thing about supremacist projects <clears throat> is that they are death cults by design yeah. because like the population that they lord over that they are supreme over if they ever manage to liquidate them entirely which they never do i don't think that's ever actually happened in human history mm -hmm. there have been many attempts but like doing so requires the subsequent death of the culture trying to carry out that mass eradication yeah because, because it's, it's premised whole, on the other you know yeah. it's a dialectical thing you can't knock out one that not without doing as it has that's why no existence or significance unless they have this yeah. eternal enemy that they have to wage war against right that's why israel really is fascinating because it really does kind of like lay bare all the various dialect like there is that solomon what is it called like the solomon doctrine or something like that like the the um the um hannibal doctrine the no well there's the there is the hannibal doctrine but there is also the so many doctrines i don't know there's too many <laughs> there's, like, there's like the solomon uh, what is it the solomon plan or something like that it's like that sounds uh so insidious yo it's like the concept will we nuke the whole country if israel is under threat of like being annihilated or something like that we nuke ourselves I think basically that's it. Like, if it looks like they are uh, in a situation where they're being invaded by all sides, they would rather, like Solomon did, tear down the, the temple pillars I was on themselves. I was joking. Are you serious? Yeah, but that is also basically the premise of the Third Reich and Nazism and everything. It's just like oh an ethno-supremacist project of any kind automatically requires a death principle a death yeah. like, and this is why ultimately i think the best definition of fascism is the worship of death it because is. like it is. at a certain point that just cuts straight to the core which is yeah. that like supremacism requires the eventual 
you know, it's like it's sublimated, right? Like they yeah. they know that like if they actually succeeded in wiping out the oppressed population, that they themselves would have to be wiped out too. But they can't actually go in out and admit well, dude, that. Because, so it becomes yes. a worship of death as a virtue. Death yes. becomes a virtue and a value to be upheld. Yes. Dude, I know I brought this example. Oh, God, I always bring up this example, which means people should read the story. But I, I keep thinking, man, about that story I told you guys about the pretenders where there's a, a genocide of black people. And it's written by a black science fiction writer. It's really good. And there's a genocide of black people. And white people create these robots in order out of out of almost guilt. You know what I mean? And out of uh -huh. like almost you denied black people humanity and in order to absolve yourself of any responsibility, you recreate these robots or these androids that are caricatures of black people. And uh -huh. it essentially is sort of the destruction of this white culture, essentially, and really apocalyptic, even yeah. though these uh, these these race war architects got what they wanted. But the, what, what they have nothing else to live for. Right. They have nothing else to live for because their ultimate enemy has been vanquished. It so is, they need to recreate the enemy. They need to create battles again, you know? Ghosts. I know. that You're right. That is the thing about the creation of race and racial ideology. It's like you can create a black race, but in doing so, you also create whiteness. Exactly. And, exactly. like, these are, these are social categories. This is social technology that, like— if you carry them to their full logical terminal endpoint, gets into some really bling shit. And so like that's that's all that's all what's at stake here. This is all what's on the table. Yes. This is the needle that like the Biden administration is trying to thread. I want you to seriously sit there and tell me that like do by voting or participating in that in any way will like you know what it negate is negates any of those. I I'll say I don't know what we going on, but I would say this way, because I keep thinking about this. Israel is like it's like a vestigial, I've said this before, the vestigial Cronenberg-like aberration. Not even aberration, really, because it is the way that the Western society, you know, was built on settler right. colonialism, right? Um, you know, the whole world entirely, you know, leading by, with the exam, led by the example of Western um, um, civilization, right? And, like, if you think that, like, it's like having a tail being born with a tail, you know what I mean? If you think that just, like... Actually, you know, no hate to anyone out there that's born with a tail. But if you just think that cutting, yeah, <laughs> the tail having listeners, mm. if you think that like, like just cutting off this, this, uh, if you think you could just cut off this vestige or you, you don't, instead of cutting the vestige off and completely just excising it, if you think that you can just like, I don't know, man, just wear some pants that are going to hide up the tail or some shit like that, yeah. or just tape it to your body or just do any of these yeah. like band-aid solutions. Like if you think that's what's going to happen, no, dude, you have to excise this it fucking does, demon, dude. Well, it does make you ask the question, why does fascism keep arising in Western society? Yeah. Is it a rot, a cancerous, cancerous rot at the fundamental roots, the basis of Western society? I think mm -hmm. that, like, that's a question that we should all try to answer. Yes. I think that, like, it's not a coincidence that this just keeps resurfacing over and over. It's just like, and with maybe greater that's a frequency. part of Western, you know, you know, Eurocentric white Western society. And I'm not letting off any, I'm not trying to do, you know, some, like, exceptionalism thing. Yeah, I'm like, sure White people arises. are evil type of shit like that. Like, right, 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 right. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, I'm just saying that, like, maybe the tenets, the very foundations of the society is rotten. <laughs> it's rotten to the core, man. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Anyways, we've gone way we've gone way longer and I have to mm. hop off. I have to get on a call. Right. But um mm. sorry we lost Tom in the process. He had to go get maintenance done. Yeah, uh, you have to show the maintenance guy around. Yeah. So uh we we just want to encourage you all to please go to our Patreon. We got good shit over there. Uh yeah, a lot of people like the last last episode, especially yeah, um last few episodes. 
yeah. We referenced that last episode on this episode, and so you'll, you're you're going to want to go check that out. www.patreon.com slash Party. Just sign up for $5 a month. Everyone's doing it. Uh, the line's going up. We've had a lot of people signing up lately, and we really appreciate your support. We really hope that more and more of you keep signing up and listening to our unhinged, deranged <laughs> stylings. Our, our apocalyptician uh, yeah. analysis. Yeah. 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 Um, so anyways go do that thanks for listening this week we'll see you next time peace out bye